All right, welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs, false prophets, they're going to arise. They're going to perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Verse 25, see, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. So the early church suffered this, and uh, the church of all times will suffer this. If I may, before I get back to what you'd raised earlier, Clint, um, let's not forget that St. Paul wrote uh, these words to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy. In the last days will come times of stress. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, fearsome, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding the, now listen carefully, holding the form of religion, but denying the power of it. This is what false Christs and false uh, preachers do. They have the, uh, the appearance of religion. And today, what does it look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. Namely, the, what Paul says, they hold the form of religion, but deny the power of it. Here's what it looks like, folks. <coughs> they dress in purple clericals, clerical shirts, and they have a big pectoral cross hanging around their neck. And they wear the hat. What's the hat called when they're bishops? Mitre. Yeah, mitre. And I'm not talking about Roman Catholic people necessarily. I'm talking about Protestants, Protestant bishops, women. They always dress like this. And men as well. Not just picking on the women bishops, but the men bishops. They, they have the appearance of godliness. So that if you saw, whether it's a man or a woman dressed in a purple clerical, purple clerical shirt with the mitre, the staff, the whole enchilada. Watch them. That's how they dress. Outwardly, you'd say, oh, this is a woman of God. This is a man of God. And then you, when you listen to them talk, you realize you're dealing with, with the devil, with Antichrist. Second, Second Thessalonians 2. Because when they talk, they deny the power of the Christian faith, namely the word of God and everything that the word of God teaches. Now, somebody might be saying, oh, come on, Coleman, you're exaggerating. I'm not. This is just simply the truth. And let me give an example. And we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating that man created, or God created man, male and female. And we all know why, okay? And they deny this. They deny all of it. Jesus rose from the dead physically, bodily. No, nope, deny it. They, de- they deny all these things. And then push this further, what we're talking about before the break. Uh, I, Jesus, I, is he the savior of the world? Namely, at- uh, shedding his blood as the atoning sacrifice for all sin. They deny this and they call it divine child abuse. I've even seen on a uh, prominent church's website, this is previously, they've updated their website since then, but it said that uh, it's very likely that Jesus was the result of a rape by a Roman soldier, and yeah. so he's not actually the son of God. And that's nothing new. That, 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 was always argued. that was always argued in the early church against the early Christians. And, and we heard the Archbishop of Canterbury recently saying that the Western church should reconsider portraying Jesus as a white male. Remember, you you heard that, didn't you? What an idiot he is. He's an absolute fool. But he, he what? He appears to what? He appears to have the form of religion, but he denies the power of it. Listen to the Archbishop of Canterbury talk about the essence of the Christian faith. He denies it all, all of it. Therefore, he can say, well, you know, I got news for you, Archbishop of Canterbury. Jesus wasn't a white male. He was a Hebrew. 
He was a Jew. It's a Mediterranean Palestinian Jew. Are you listening, Archbishop? He was. He didn't have skin color like me or you, Clint or Adam. Okay. Just fools. Just absolute fools. But having the appearance of godliness. Right. So I remind everybody. And then also Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, he says, The time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. Myths like this. If any of you have read uh, Albert Schweitzer's book, The Quest for the Historical Jesus, he does a a survey of the historical teaching of the historical critical method on the, on the Gospels. And here's what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the rational theologians in, in Western Europe, when they read the New Testament, particularly the resurrection of our Lord, they would say, well, we all know that uh, Jesus really didn't die on the cross. He just fainted. He passed out. And the disciples took him down off the cross, and they put him in that cool cave called the tomb. And he revived, and he walked out. And, and of course, we all know that he didn't die, and he really didn't rise from the dead. It's all a myth. I got news for you folks. Uh, your story, your denial of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's the myth. And that's what Paul's talking about. All right. The early church also had to battle who? The Gnostics. You know, who, who denied that uh, uh, Jesus actually came into the flesh. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Now back to Clint, what you were talking about before the break. This, uh, the church being desecrated by false teaching and false prophets. When I say desecrated, this is what I mean. The word of God is holy. And God's name is holy. And when you teach false doctrine, you make... God's holy word, you profane it. And when you teach false doctrine, you profane God's holy name. That's what I'm talking about when it's desecrated. Make sense? Absolutely. All right. And I think the large catechism goes into that idea uh, greatly that uh, the biggest way we violate the second commandment is by preaching and teaching false doctrine. Right. So part of the false doctrine that is desecrating the church at the moment, for, just for the sake of our discussion, is as you mentioned, Clint. So for example, when Pope John Paul II went... I think it was at Assisi in France, and he met with a, a Muslim cleric, an imam. Do you remember, folks, what was the first thing he did at the meeting? He kissed the Quran. He kissed the Quran. Uh, and he's not the only pope to do that. Other popes following him have done that as well. Now, normally if you go to a Roman Catholic mass, the priest or whoever's conducting the service, the mass, for, for lack of better terminology, they always kiss the the Bible, or the, the readings, the lectionary book. Because kissing it means that you believe it is holy, and it's God's word. It's a reference to Psalm 2, isn't it? Uh, kiss, kiss the sun. Kiss the sun. Uh, lest he be angry. Yes, uh, that's, that's uh, my understanding anyway, where that, that particular tradition came from. But you get the impression by this happening that this is the word of God, and it is to be heard as the word of God. So when a pope kisses the Quran... Then this leads to, so this is also a revelation that God has given. This is another word of God. And then you deny the uniqueness of Christianity. And then that pushes what you said about the Second Vatican Council, which went full circle. You know, before Vatican II, you, you had to be a Roman Catholic to be saved. If you weren't hooked with the Bishop of Rome, you'd go to hell. Since the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, now everybody goes to heaven, even if you don't know you're a Christian. That's called anonymous 
Christianity. So I, everybody's saved. Doesn't matter who, you, what, who or what you believe in. I think everybody except for us, because we're teaching false. Yes, that that's correct. Uh, just I'm glad you pointed it out. So they would say, well, you Lutherans probably won't, because you you know the truth and you've denied it. You know, uh, but the Muslims who don't know the truth and the pious Sikhs Muslim, and, yeah. pious yeah. Hindu, yeah. pious. Um, Shinto, pious Mormon, pious Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, now, there, now, there's hope for all that. Now I have to, I have to say more about this. I want to piggyback on what we've just said about Jesus saying there'd be false prophets, false Christ, and I've associated this as being the of desecrating the church. Um, so yeah, Rome does this. Any kind of false teaching does this. Rome is an example of that, and there are others. The, the evangelicals all over the world in the United States, they too have desecrated the church. They have, they have desecrated the holy word of God. And they've given God's holy name. They've profaned it. What am I talking about? When you deny that baptism is the gospel, or when you deny that the Lord's Supper is the gospel, or when you deny that uh, absolution is the gospel, you've desecrated the church. First John 4 kind of stuff, where you deny that uh, Christ has come in the flesh, which is not only a denial of the actual incarnation, but the incarnational way in which he comes today, baptismal regeneration, real presence in the Lord's Supper, uh, words that actually absolve in the absolution, and a, a clear denial of God's word, a clear denial of the incarnation, but a desecration nonetheless. I, I, putting those pieces together, this is the light bulbs are coming on for me. So just to, just to clinch this, Peter says in Acts 2, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you deny that when you receive, when you get baptized, you don't get the forgiveness of sins. When you deny that, because the forgiveness of sins is the gospel. When you deny that, you're denying the, the gospel. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. When you deny that, the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ, you've desecrated the church and you've profaned God's name. In other words, you're calling Jesus a liar. Do you understand that, folks? And these are the people who get up and stand on the stage and have their floppy Bible in their hand and say, only the word of God. And then they deny the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially Mark 16, 16. You believe and you're baptized, you're saved. They deny this flat out. They call Jesus a liar. See, that's, you understand my point. When you have the clear categorical promises of our Lord Jesus Christ, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Matthew 16, Matthew 18, John 20. When you say, no, that can't be, you are calling Jesus Christ, the one you say who is Lord, you are calling him a liar. And that is the height of unbelief. And this is part of the desecration that goes on in the church. So I'm giving equal time to both sides. Can I, can I play the devil's advocate here? Yeah. Which is my specialty. Yeah. Uh, pastor, you know, we live in a time of great divisions. We see the divisions when we turn on the news, open up the newspaper, uh, people rioting in the street. We have all these divisions, and it's time for the church to come together. It's time for the church to be the, the healing peace that brings people together. And you keep talking about all these specific nitpicky kind of things. Aren't you creating more divisions? Shouldn't we be looking for like a least common denominator so we can all be one and all come together and, and have this kind of kumbaya moment? How would you respond to that? What I'm talking about is, is the essence of the Christian faith, the gospel itself. It's not nitpicky. It's not trivial. This, this, the, the gospel. Not division causing? Oh, it causes divisions. Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. 
And and what he means by that is is if you put anything anything above me, that is to say, this it's a first commandment issue. Jesus, when he says, I did not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword, he's saying, look, folks. And then he says, father will be against son, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, etc. In other words, Jesus, <laughs> I'm not saying this very well, so have mercy on me. So if you put family as your idol, this is the context of the words I'm quoting from Jesus. If you make family into an idol as your savior, well, guess what? It's not good. And so the point I'm trying to make here and, and to answer your question is, is we're dealing with the very gospel itself. The gospel itself divides. The truth divides people from one another. On purpose, are we trying to, to make division? No, it's just part of the, the, the way it is. Um, <clears throat> so the point is, is, is when somebody denies the gospel, we cannot say, well, okay, I guess, I guess that's all right. Because what's at stake? Lives are at stake. Salvific Lives. Eternity, yeah, that's what eternity. So uh, the, the, tr- the you, true unity is unity in Christ. The other unity in the is, truth is a in is the a truth. fake, false kind of a unity. So Jesus says there's going to be false teachers, false prophets, and so the early church had to battle this. We have to battle it. We've got enthusiasts. We've got Schwermerai. We've got Moonies. We got Mormons. We got Jehovah's Witnesses. And we got contemporary Gnosticism called the New Age Movement. Oh, I hear the music. I've got tons more to say on this. So come back, my friends. And in the meantime, stay Lutheran. Well, tell